Shalom, brothers and sisters. We have a detailed lesson prepared for the brothers and sisters worldwide. Today's lesson will be called Overcoming Lust. We are living in a <clears throat> we're living in the wake of a sexual revolution, brothers and sisters. Modern American society has become sex saturated. Everyday television, movies, billboards, newspapers, and magazines bombard us with lustful images. And when lustful thoughts become part of our large, uh, excuse me, part of our lifestyle, we feel like prisoners to those controlling desires. The Most High God does not want us to suffer in the prison of lust. He offers hope and freedom when we turn to Him for help to understand the truth behind the lies of lust. We're going to start at Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. We're going to go to verse uh, chapter 9, verse 3. Because usually when you hear the word lust, it typically revolves around some level of sexual immorality. But we know that you have lust of, you know, some people lust for fame, lust for celebrity, lust for money. So there's a, there's a plethora of things that, you know, um, people lust after on a day-to-day basis. So we want to touch on that today. We're going to uh, read verse 3, brethren. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 3 This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun That there is one event unto all Yet also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil So brothers and sisters There is evil being done by all mankind We all can learn something Even the sisters can learn something From a lesson about lust A lesson about hair and bags And looking a certain way We all can learn something Including myself Can you read that again brother? Verse 3 this is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yet also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Right. So, brothers and sisters, it says the heart of men is full of evil. Brother Corey, can you read verse three one more time, please? Verse three. This is an evil, evil among all things that are done under the sun. That there is one event unto all. Yeah, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. And madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Right, so brothers and sisters, the heart of all people are not just tainted by sin, but indeed full of sin. <clears throat> he likens the madness to, you know, uh, going, he likens it to madness going throughout uh, the entirety of a man or a woman's life, brothers and sisters. Every human heart is inclined towards sin. That's what the scripture is talking about, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. Let's go to Jeremiah 17 and 9. If you have a heart, then we all can learn something about how to better subject the spirit of lust. Anybody with a heart? Because why? The heart is wicked. We're going to show you. Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Who heart, can know it? The heart is the origin of all uncleanliness, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Right. So <clears throat> before any sin or, or deed can be committed, brothers and sisters, it must first be conceived in the heart, in the mind. The heart is the seat of sin. This is the nature of a human heart, according to scripture. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The human heart, brothers and sisters, is fully pervious to God alone. Only he could plumb the depths of our hearts and render an accurate verdict as to what he finds there. We're going to show you. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Because why? We want to learn to control learn to subdue or overcome that spirit of lust because why lust leads to molestation it, it leads to fornication it leads to a plethora of sins and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it today brothers and sisters we're gonna unmask lust we're gonna start at verse 15 brother first john 2 and 15 love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right. So this is the scripture I take people to when they say, well, God love everybody. Or he loved the world. When they take us to John 3.16, we got to take them here because the precept, the Most High don't love the whole world. The world is he's talking about his people. That's what he's talking about. 
So how can he tell you he loved the whole world and then tell you, read it one more time, brother? Verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right. Continue. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh, brothers and sisters, is that temptation to feel physical pleasure from some sinful activity. To do something to make the flesh feel satisfied. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh, brothers and sisters, is any, you know, it can it can involve any type of sinful activity that will bring pleasure to your physical body. And the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. These things are of the world. We're going to show you some examples of the uh, you know, the works of the flesh. Because why? It said, read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. Now let us show you what comes from some of the fruit that come from the lust of the flesh by going to Galatians chapter 5 and 19. Works of the flesh. What is what is scripture talking about? Let's get some edification on that. We're going to read chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Galatians 5 and 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Right, brothers and sisters. So Paul has given us a nice example of the works of the flesh, many of which <clears throat> many which are works that transpire when we succumb to the lust of the flesh, brothers and sisters. When you follow desires <clears throat> of of a sinful nature, uh, the results are clear, and this is what this is the fruit that come from it, brothers and sisters. Lust has its focus <clears throat> on pleasing oneself and often leads to unwholesome actions to fulfill one's desires without regard for consequences. This is what lust does, brothers and sisters. This is the works of the flesh when when we speak of the works of the flesh. Let's go back to 1 John now so we can break down the rest of the scripture. 1 John chapter 2 verse 16, brother. 1 John 2 and 16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes is that temptation to look upon things we shouldn't look upon or to have, uh, you know, have a mindset of things we shouldn't have, brothers and sisters. In other words, to cast our eyes upon something we desire or pleasure, even though the Most High God have told us it's wrong. It's recognition that something sinful has visual appeal and then wanting what you visualize for the sake of. Of its visual appeal. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we're going to give you an example of the lust of the eyes, brothers and sisters. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 2. In the, New, in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters, in, in your Tanakh. Second Samuel. We're going to go to chapter 11, verse 2. Second Samuel 11 and 2. The lust of the eyes, brothers and sisters. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Right. See, so David is now uh, <clears throat> looking at some form of pornography here. A, a woman who's undressed, who's washing. Consider, you know, with regards to King David and Bathsheba, the woman who he's about to uh, transgress the law. He's about to commit adultery with. And it started through the lust of the eyes. Can you read it one more time, brother? Verse 2. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Right. Brother, go to chapter Second Samuel chapter 12 and verse 9 to show you the destructive power of lust. 2 Samuel 12 and 9. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? 
Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite. Because why? Because David had a man killed so he could sleep with his wife. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Right, so it says a sword shall never depart from thine house, so there will be violence within his own home, brothers and sisters. And this started with what? The lust of the eyes. First he saw the young lady, then he lusted after her, had her husband murdered, and then took her to be his wife, all through the lust of the eyes. So these are the these are uh, some of the lusts that the Most High God is trying to prepare us to deal with. There's 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 a plethora of different forms of lust and forms of sin, and they don't always come in the same wardrobe, so to speak. We're going to go back, brother. Let's go back to First John two and sixteen, because we're going over these these three lusts, these three lusts that are being uh, are are being edified for us. First John 2 and 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. The pride of life is that sinful temptation for excess greatness, brothers and sisters, for power. We all feel that temptation, you know, to obtain that. Why? Because pride itself is one of the sins that the Most High God hates most, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Right. So, brothers and sisters, every sin we will commit involve at least one of these three temptations. But it may include all three. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes... And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Right. So one of the three, brothers and sisters, are fleshly desires, of course. Then we have the desire for the things we see. And then the boastful pride of life. You know, um, and we're going to show you how that Satan used all three of those to trap Eve, Adam and Eve, our foremother and forefather. Go, brother, to Genesis 3 and 6 to show you that Satan used all three of these tricks of the trade against our foremother. The pride of the, it was the pride of life, of course, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And we're going to show you, he used all three of these to take rulership and dominion from us. Genesis 3, <clears throat> verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Lust of the flesh. Read it one more time, brother. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. See, so that's the lust of the flesh. And that it was a pleasant to the eyes. The lust of the eyes. See? And a tree to be desired to make one wise. The pride of life. All three of them right there. Read that one more time, brother, from the top, please. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. Right, right. So, brothers and sisters, the implication is that Satan waited until Eve was alone. Adam came later and she gave him the fruit. But Satan knows just the right moment when to uh, when to hit, when to strike with temptation. And temptation is most powerful when we're alone. And Satan knows that he came to Eve while she was alone. So usually when we're away from our brothers and sisters, those who energize us with the right spirit, uh, you know, that's usually when the temptations come. When you're at home, when you're just by yourself, when you're away from home, away from people you don't know. That's usually when the temptation comes, brothers and sisters. But we wanted to show you that Satan used all three forms of lust to, to subdue our forefather and our foremother to take our, our dominion, our rulership. Let's move forward. Let's go to Job 31 and 1. Job 31 verse 1. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Right. So in this scripture, Job gives us one of his secrets to battling lust, making a covenant with his own eyes. A covenant is the strongest bond that you could possibly make, brothers and sisters. He made a covenant with his eyes not to look upon a young maid. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse one. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Right. There is a level of commitment, brothers and sisters, that Job declared 
over his eyes that would help keep him from lusting. Now, if Job can make a covenant like that, we also can make a covenant like that, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Job 31, verse 1. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Right. See, so this is something that we must actively engage. We can't wait for it to come to us, especially the children of Israel. Because why? They usually send a lust the direction of the southern kingdom predominantly a lot a lot of things are aimed towards these men because why they're part of the 144,000 and we need them to be uh preoccupied with other matters and not this book and not your rulership and your dominion so a lot of things will come directed towards you brothers and sisters so we have to be on guard we have to cover we have to guard our eyes because why even though you have brothers who've been in the truth for two decades three decades Sometimes you get that feeling to say, I can look at anything. I, you know, I, I, don't get, I don't get excited by those things. You think so. And that's where it starts. If you look, it will lead you down that path. If you start looking at certain things, you, you're slowly being pulled back into it. Even though you're saying, well, I really wouldn't do anything. I was just looking to see. That's going to lead you into pornography. That's going to lead you into fornication. It, it will lead you there. So we have to nip it in the bud at not even looking for it. Because if you look for it, there's a great opportunity that you will transgress the law if the opportunity presents itself. Can you read that one more time, brother? Job 31, verse 1. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Right. A covenant with thy eyes. So Job, this was a covenant he made with himself to not look upon. If he saw something that even was remotely attractive within five seconds he turned away he bounced his eyes to something else he wouldn't even never look at it twice because if you go back for that second look you're about to slip you, you're going in you're about to fall let's go to first Thessal- uh first thessalonians brothers and sisters we're going to read chapter four verse four First Thessalonians 4 and 4. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. See, so Paul was encouraging the Thessalonians to learn how to control their vessels. We have to learn to control our eyes, control our body, control that. That's, that's, that's something that especially young men of color should, you know, should look to implement. Because a lot of times we lose control, you know, through our anger or through our lust. Or, you know, being led astray by other sins. But predominantly, the things that are aimed towards these, the predominantly the three, the three, you know, the black tribes, Benjamin, Judah, and Levi, you see it on the TV. You see all of the lustful things that are promoted to these people, that are advertised to these people. The women shaking their behinds, right? In the videos. I never see that in uh, country videos. <laughs> I never see that there. Only in our music where a sister have a shoestring on. Only in our, you know, only us. So th- these things are being, these things are being advertised to our children, brothers and sisters. And, hey, fathers, a lot of times, we teach our sons or, you know, in back in the day in the world, you know, you're supposed to have girls and want these kind of things. That's what make you a man. That's how most men, you know, in our communities were raised. You know, it was cool. You got girlfriend. You got two, three of them. That was, you know, that was a good thing where you were almost honored and revered for that. But, you know, we were dealing with not being in the truth and not following the most high God. But the example, especially for a young son or for a daughter, is his father. His father is his first superhero. It's the first man, you know, that he thinks can't lose a battle, right? So we have to set the example, brothers and sisters. And it's not being lustful. It's not, you know, longing after unlawful things. Because why? At a, at a certain age, everything that a child see is a learning experience. It's not even what you teach them. Everything they see, they're soaking it in. So we have to make sure they see the right things, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? First Thessalonians 4 and 3. I mean, 4 and 4. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So that's something that we all could learn, brothers and sisters. It's, it's one thing to have the truth and know you, Israel. But there's another step of 
because, you know, taking that, uh, that, that next step to, to, to closer to perfection. And that's being able to control your vessel, control your anger, control your mouth, control everything about your vessel. And if you can do that, a man who can do that is dangerous. A man who can control his vessel completely is dangerous. And the government will be against you, certainly. Because if you're a man who's led by lust, only thing I need to do is present the lust for you and you'll fall. That's the only thing I have to do. Because that's the only thing you're waiting on. You're only waiting for an opportunity to present itself now. You know, and growing up in projects, there was a lot of brothers who would be robbed based on their lust. Meeting up with a girl somewhere at somebody's house and there's a bunch of dudes there or whatever. Through his lust, he's led to now get on the ground. So it can happen, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. We're going to talk about it. Let's go to Psalms 119, brother, and 37, please. You know, it doesn't help that what? You know, you turn on the television and, you know, there's there's sex everywhere. It's like, what does a naked woman have to do with a car? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Everything is is hypersexual now, brothers and sisters. Where now it's 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 cool that I just talk about, you know, sexual encounters and this is what goes on, you know, in the real world amongst you know, people, their friends talking about what they do and what they like. I don't think the, the conversation of lust ever comes up. It never did when I was in the world. I never was like, you know what? I'm really lusting after that. That's a conversation that never happens in the world, brothers and sisters. But it's going on. We're going to the club, right? To take something home, you know? This is what's going on in the world, brothers and sisters. Let's go to uh, 119 and 37, brother. Psalms 119, verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Another discipline that we should practice, brothers and sisters, was prayer. David, who struggled with his lust with pornography, made it a uh, regular business to pray over his eyes. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. And quicken thou me in thy way. Right. Now, this was David. We already read what he did earlier. He looked after a woman, killed her husband, made her his wife. Now he learned. Now he's praying that, you know, control my eyes. Ahaya. Control my eyes not to wander where it shouldn't be. Because the, the mind is a powerful place. And if you, you know, your eyes catch wind of something that you think may be appeasing or appetizing, it leads your mind onto something that you may not be able to pull back, brothers and sisters. Whatever we practice and that becomes habit, if we practice, you know, sizing up women or men, you know, that's going to be, we're going to need a lot of grace because that's what we're used to doing. We're used to looking at women. We're used to looking at behinds all day long. That's something, you know, that we will have to pray to the most high about because I understand, right? Motion, you know, women walk around, you know, buttocks out and men's eyes are attracted to motion. So when you see something, you, you look, you understand, but you need to learn how to control that. We all need to learn how to control that, especially as men of God, especially as men of God, a men of God. We're going to go to Matthew five and twenty eight. Matthew 5, verse 28. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. This is why David and Job were praying that the Most High would cover their eyes. This is why they were praying for control. That they would, you know, not look upon any vanity. Anything that could be used for transgression. Can you read that one more time, brother? Matthew 5, <clears throat> And 28, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Right. Christ challenges the superficial notions that restrict transgression to something external. Christ challenged the notion to say that a sin could actually be something within you and not an act that you actually perpetrated. It's something within, and that's the spirit of the law. Christ came to perfect the law because usually... When we follow Moses, we were just following the letter. You know, it say, don't do this, don't do it. But in your heart, you're really 
against it. So Christ was coming to show us that, you know, lust is an attitude of the heart and the mind, you know, uh, is the mind is just as corrupting to our souls as actually doing the illicit act, brothers and sisters. The Most High God looks at our external behavior, but he searches our hearts and looks for purity there. So it can't just be your physical actions. It actually have to be your heart. The Most High expects our thoughts and desires to be pure and rightly ordered, not just our actions. And that's that's the you know that's the that next step of perfecting yourself, because from the outside people can see okay Sabbath he don't you know hold on you got his fringes on you know you better not go to the store on the Sabbath with your fringes on dude coming in like hold on ain't you Jewish what you yeah. doing so you you know even when you have your fringes on you know you act a certain way because you know somebody may say something to you hold on. Pork right there? You Jewish? So it's a certain way, brothers and sisters. It's a certain way. And, you know, we are going to implement these principles to help us with this particular act. Because you can be clean from it and not have any transgressions for five years, six years, and then look upon something that leads you off, and now you transgress. Then what happens after you transgress? You say, man, I was doing good for a long time. I was good. I was good for two years. I don't know what happened. Then you, the shame comes. So we're going to try to button it up tight and pull the mask off and the Most High give us the principles to be able to subject that spirit of lust. Uh, let's go to 2 Timothy 2 and 22, brothers and sisters. Second Timothy 2, verse 22. Flee also youthful lust. But follow righteousness. Brothers and sisters, these scripture, this passage that we're about to go in is probably one of the most concise bits of advice reminding us on how we should engage fighting against lust. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 22. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, pay peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Right. So, brothers and sisters, notice that the first thing we are to do is to run. It says Flee youthful lust or youthful passions. Flee means to run, brothers and sisters. So that's first. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 22. Flee also youthful lust. Right. So run from these youthful lusts. These youthful lusts stubbornly cling onto our heels, brothers and sisters. And, you know, as we see these passions stirred up in us, we must habitually flee from these, these sins. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 22. Flee also youthful lust. So run from youthful lust. But follow righteousness. But follow, so that means run to, run from youthful lust, then run to righteousness. Can you read that again, brother? Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Right, so we wanted to show you, brothers and sisters, it's not enough to just flee youthful lust. We must run towards a new passion. We must replace what was dark with something light, brothers and sisters. And the last part of it, it says, read it one more time, brother, please. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. With them who call on the Lord. So run from youthful lust, run to righteousness, and run with those who are of like mind. You must be of, you know, with people of like mind, because two can't walk together unless they be agreed. So you can't have somebody trying to go into the world and you're trying to go the opposite direction because you, you're not moving. So we must run from the youthful lust. We must run to righteousness. We must run with those who have a fear for the Most High God. And when we say fear, we mean they follow His commandments, brothers and sisters. Brother, let's go to Romans 6 and 22, please. We're going to unveil the deceitfulness of the lust, brothers and sisters, and show how it have affected us and how it, con it continuously affects us in our communities. Romans 6, verse 22. Excuse me, verse 12, brother. Romans 6, verse 12. <clears throat> Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Right. On the surface, brothers and sisters, these cravings or passions are anchored you know, by members of the body. But as we look deeper, we see that the problem actually stems from our sinful heart. It comes from the heart, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Romans 6, verse 12. 
Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Right. So if you let sin reign in your mortal bodies, it will lead to those three lusts that we read about. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, mm-hmm. the pride of life. The sin always comes in one of those three forms and sometimes all three. We're going to go to Proverbs 4 and 23, brother. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Right. Scripture teaches us that the real issues of life, brothers and sisters, are spiritual. And, you know, what really matters is the heart, the inner man. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So how do we keep our heart? We constantly stay in the word. We need to... Read the word every day, brothers and sisters. This must be something that happens on a daily basis. You you must read every day, brothers and sisters. Go over your notes. Listen to it. But we have to be in the word every day in order to fight this thing off. We must. Because it's elusive. It comes up. It, 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 it sneaks in when you think, you know, it's gone. And it's triggered by, a lot of times, your eyes. The windows to the soul, brothers and sisters. It's triggered through there. Let's go to Colossians 3 and 5, brother. Colossians 3, verse 5. Mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness. And this goes to people who are um, inviting uh, pornography into their bedroom with their husbands and with their wives. That is against the Bible. You're not a man of God. That's a sin. And you know you're wrong for that. You cannot introduce filth into your bedroom, brothers and sisters. The bedroom is is sanctified. It's special. You don't invite sin into your your bedroom. But I know, you know, in this new day and age, we got young people out there who, 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 quite frankly, they do stuff like this. But if you're a man of God, you cannot introduce these acts into your home, into the airwaves, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Colossians 3, verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Evil concupiscence, because why? You have people who are having, uh, you know, three people in the bedroom where, you know, it's... Two girls or something in there. And that's a sin too, brothers and sisters. And that's a sickness. That's a sickness and that's a sin. And it's not of the Most High God. I know people are talking, you know, well, we just want to spice things up. That's not spicing things up. That's, you heating it up because you're going to hell. This is brother. He's a Hebrew also. His name is, I can't think of the name off the top. But he talks about how when you watch that stuff, say at night on your iPhone, iPod, it's actually like demons coming out of there. They are they attached to you mm-hmm. through the pornography. Absolutely, it's, it's wicked. It's Absolutely, that's a good point too. Because the Jewish people who came up with the moving pictures, they knew that it was something spiritual about showing things before the eye. Because then you would act it out. You know, then you know, especially young kids. You know, young men. As you get older, you learn how to control certain things. But you know, as young men, it, it's it's you have access to it twenty four seven. And it wasn't like that when we were young, you know what I mean? Like, you didn't have access to just pick up a computer and then just go to, like, you know, like, like behinds up in the air and stuff like that. But now, you know, sin is at its height, brothers and sisters. That's why we must prepare our children and prepare ourselves and those who we love for the hour of temptation, which we're in. Anything that you're... you're your carnal body wants to do, you can do in this day and age, no matter what it is. You want to be with a man, be with a woman, whatever you want to do, sin is at its height. It's called the hour of temptation, brothers and sisters. If we are walking according to the Spirit, we will refuse to allow ourselves to be pulled by our fleshly desires. Can you read that one more time, brother? Colossians 3 and 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, 
and covetousness, which is idolatry. Right. So, brothers and sisters, all of these lusts lead to idolatry. And these fleshly lusts are, are, are said to wage war against the soul. We're going to show you. These particular acts wage against the soul. You're fighting against yourself. You know what's right but cannot stop. This is how you... This is how you put that spirit of subjection, brothers and sisters, by using your precepts and the scriptures that you know to fight. That's the only thing you can do. If that thing rise up in you, where you feel it in you, where you feel like you, you know, you're about to transgress, we want to find something to do, something that we can put our all into, something that's positive. You know, let me call my brothers up, you know, see what brother Joseph doing down there. You know, we may go down to the food bank or something like that. Or, you know, let me see what my sister doing today. It's on the Sabbath. Or, you know, let me go out and pass out some flyers or something. We have to, you know, lust, it breeds in the garden of leisure. So when you just have time and you just sitting back doing nothing, that's usually when that lust creeps in because you're not doing anything. If you're doing something and moving around then usually it's hard for lust to creep in, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. We're going to 1 Peter chapter 2 and 11 in the New Testament. First Peter 2 and 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly, fleshly lust, which war against the soul. There is a spiritual war going on, brothers and sisters. And sinful desires are the enemy. It says, "It says, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Why? Because we're strangers to the world. That's why. We're foreigners to the world. We're not in the world. The Most High said, be ye separate, be holy. And that's what we are. So even in this world, as foreigners to this world, this wicked world, we must do what? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Right. The, these desires wage war against us, brothers and sisters. And there's only one way to defeat them. And that's to abstain. By abstaining from sin, we align ourselves with God's purpose. When we give in to sin, we put a roadblock between you and our creator. Between me and my creator. When we do that, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? First Peter 2 and 11. Dearly beloved. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Right. These things war against your soul, brothers and sisters. They feel good, but, but for a moment. But for a moment. When there's an eternal judgment, there's death at the door. We're going we're gonna to prove it. We're going to Galatians 5 and 16, New Testament, brothers and sisters. We want, you know, if you're listening to this, this broadcast, you know, we want you to take down these these notes if you if you have the opportunity and ponder on these notes and if you feel that thing rising in you or that temptation coming or somebody saying yeah man we we just gonna go to the strip club or something you know or we just you know we just looking at them we we not gonna touch or whatever people say in the world nowadays that you revert back to your scriptures because reading these scriptures even if you just read them if you just went to these scriptures and read them that that temptation would would leave you. Resist the devil, and he shall flee. And you, sh and he shall flee, brothers and sisters. So you use this. You read these scriptures and watch the weight lift off of you. Galatians five and sixteen, brother. Galatians five <clears throat> and sixteen. This I say then: Walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Brothers and sisters, overcoming lust and evil <laughs> desires is a battle that cannot be won alone. Victory is only possible with the strength of the Holy Spirit, of the Most High God, brothers and sisters. We must walk in the Spirit. Can you read that again? Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. See, so if you are trying to live out your flesh... The spirit won't, elect, won't allow you. And if you try to live through the spirit, the flesh won't allow you. It's an internal battle within each and every person, man and woman, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? Verse 17. For the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. See? So you have this thing fighting in you that's saying, yeah, man, just check it out one time. Just go ahead and look at it. Or just double take. You know, you ain't doing nothing wrong. Just look at it. Just look at it. Just look at them. 
you'll have that thing fighting in you to do the wrong thing, even though you know what's right. That's why we must always daily be in our word, because the word demons and spirits flee. When you have that word out, when you reading it, when you reciting it, even if you just remembered some of the, the scriptures about lust and recited it, that would that would help. That would help. If you could remember Second Timothy two twenty two. That would help a lot, brothers and sisters. And when you, that thing creep up into you, brothers know when you get that feeling where you about to transgress something. Let's go to Mark 4 and 19, brothers and sisters. Mark 4, verse 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Brothers and sisters, temptation to lust will come in many forms. There's external lust like um, sexual immorality, overindulgence in food and drink. Then you have internal lust, right? Such as lust for power, lust for celebrity, fame or position. These things make you unfruitful, brothers and sisters. They choke the word. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. See, that's the deceitfulness of riches, brothers and sisters. Because why? You think that you're self-sufficient when you have finances. When really, the Most High can pull it all away and take you, you know, call you home at any night. But money tricks us to believe that we are sufficient. That we're in control. That's what money does. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Right. Especially when you're young in the truth and you're still learning these things, brothers and sisters, entering in either through music that you're listening to, acts, you know, acting things out, being amongst these people. This chokes the word, brothers and sisters, that seed that was planted in you. That seed that's going to be watered for you to become a magnificent tree and be fruitful. It chokes out the fruit. It chokes out the word, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Mark 4 and 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Right. These things make you unfruitful, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to James chapter 1, verse 14 in the New Testament. James 1 and 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When we are drawn away of our own lust. To show you that we're drawn away in Lord after our own lust. So the lust is already present within you. Satan just had to present the opportunity. You would have did it. You just need the opportunity. So he'll make sure you get that opportunity. Because you're going to fall. Because by, you know, everything else you're doing. By looking at certain pictures on the internet. Looking at girls' butts and certain things. That builds up to you really transgressing. And really fornicating. Or looking at somebody to fornicate. It leads up to that. It's a step-by-step process, brothers and sisters. It's the deceitfulness of the sin. Can you read that again? Verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Right. Our own lust and enticed, brothers and sisters. We naturally fasten our lust upon things which seem to provide us with immediate pleasure, comfort, happiness, or honor. That's usually where our lust comes from. Satan markets sexual gratification without love, brothers and sisters. Being half-dressed is culturally and universally accepted now. Plus, the fact that technology has made it easy to access lustful content 24-7, it can be very hard being a follower of Christ and trying to you know, keep up your standard of purity. That's why we, we use the Bible for that, brothers and sisters. This is why we use the Bible. Because why? It's hard for you to turn on anything on the television show and there not to be some level of nudity, some level of, you know, access spending of money and cars and things that would get you to lust, brothers and sisters. That's all that's promoted on the TV. That's all that's promoted in these music videos. That's it. 
We're going to Psalms 101 and 3, brothers and sisters. Psalms 101, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. I will. He said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes, brothers and sisters. The eyes are the doorway to the mind. And whatsoever one's mind continually thinks upon, a person will eventually do. If a person is going to be pure, he must make a, you know, an intentional decision, an assertive decision about guarding his eyes. This will affect what? The types of movies that are watched, the books that are read, the Internet sites that are visited. You have to you have to actually engage in it and say, listen, uh, you know, certain things where I know there may be some content that is unfavorable or that the most high may not be fond of. I'm going to just, you know, stay away from it because I know that if I, if I open it up or if I, I look into that magazine, it may lead somewhere. Can you read that again, brother? Psalms 101, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. So, you know, it, you know it's virtually impossible that you're not going to... You know, living life and walking around, you know, you see things all the time, but we have to be able to control it. And before your mind can actually grasp what it is you're looking at, if you think it may be something that's going to seem attractive to you, then turn away and just look at something else immediately. Because if it goes, if that thought goes unopposed for longer than five seconds by you thinking, should you look or, or whatever... It's going to lead to a transgression, brothers and sisters. If you can't reject it within the first five seconds, you're not going to reject it. You're going to fall to it. As soon as you see it or as soon as it's offered to you, you have to say no. Maybe even out loud. Maybe even out loud. Because if you don't, if you if you leave that thought unattended, it will strike, brothers and sisters. It will. We're going to Matthew 6 and 22. Christ. Matthew 6, verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. Right. So, brothers and sisters, all sin begins in the mind. What is the main sense that stimulates the mind? Our eyes, brothers and sisters. So, those things that we view really do shape our thoughts and desires. We It's, it's the eyes, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. So if what you're watching is evil, if what you're watching is pornographic moving pictures, if this is the things you're watching, then that's going to affect your body. Because why? Whatever your eyes see, your body naturally reacts to it. That's the way it's set up. Scientifically, it's set up like that, brothers and sisters. Depending on how you perceive something is how your actions are. If you perceive that there's a threat of violence towards you, what do you do? Your body reacts to that, right? You, you start moving. You start looking around. You keep your guard up. It's a natural. It's natural, brothers and sisters. That's why we have to control it at the door, which is the eyes. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 23. <clears throat> but if thine eye be evil... Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Brothers and sisters, what we set before our eyes is of grave importance and has serious consequences to the body, mind, and the soul. So we have to kind of taper what it is that we watch, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to uh, 1 Corinthians 7 and 9. We're almost done here. What we, be you know, we become what we behold, brothers and sisters. We got to guard our eyes from anything that can lead to lust or sin. 1 Corinthians 7 and 9. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 9. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. So if you are, you know, you, there's a girl or a woman or a man that you're interested in 
And you had that burning desire because why? You had that burning desire because maybe the Mosiah is trying to call another life into existence. So maybe that's why you have that feeling. And when you have that feeling, it's best to marry. Further proof that marriage is intercourse, brothers and sisters. But read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. Now, let them marry. Now, this is critical, brothers and sisters. You, you, you Examine this because why? It says let them marry. So if you're dealing with yourself, if people understand what I'm saying, anything you're doing by yourself in a room, you're wrong. Because the Bible says let them marry. So you are supposed to marry for that. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 9. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. Now, brothers and sisters, by biblical definition, marriage exists when a woman belongs to a man. You go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. Uh, you know, and once she gives herself to that man, it will manifest by the woman giving her consent, followed by sexual consummation. Now, there's certain protocols now. It's not just you have an intercourse, brothers and sisters. The marriage is conducted through the head of the house. That means you must go to the father. You must go to the mother, brothers and sisters. These are the protocols. The father must approve of the union first. Now, things that have been done in the past are in the past, but from here on out, you know, uh, whatever we get into, the things we teach our children, we teach them the, the correct way of how Israelites, how Hebrews were married. You go to the father or that man that's in her life, and to get the consent, or the mother, maybe, even. Because why? It's an agreement of families. The family must be agreed, because why? If the family is invested in it, then when you're having issues, the family actually come in and try to fight for the relationship, because they were involved in, you know, getting it together. So first, you know, a man would go to a woman, uh, go to a woman's father and ask, you know, tell him, I'm interested in your daughter. And the father would say, either you're going to pay me this, or you're going to work for me for six months, Right. Then you had the stage that's called the, the betrothal, which is uh, the time up until uh, the consummation, which is where the man would work uh, for, you, you know, the father or work to get the money because he would have to have a place to live. He would have to have everything that this woman needs before she can marry this man. He had to have everything. And that's why you had to go to the father. You can't over jump the father because why? If you have a daughter, right? And a man going to come take her out of your home. You're going to make sure that that lifestyle your daughter is accustomed to, that man can provide. And if he can't, then... And if a man, you know, feel like, you know, if a man feel like, oh, you know, father or uncle may not like me, I may not be good enough, then, you know, you got to respect that at this time. But we must go to the head, brothers and sisters. All marriages, right, must have both components. And then final, what is the second stage of the marriage process, which is the consummation, which is the intercourse. And that's what seals it. The intercourse is what seals the marriage, brothers and sisters. But all marriages must have both components to be valid in order to be valid. And listen, having a brother work for something, keep him equitable. See, a man can get up and just leave because he didn't work for it. See, if he worked six months, he worked a year for this woman. He paid $2,500 like it was in the Old Testament, he would be, he'd be hard pressed to separate from it. Trust and believe. <laughs> so, so this was actually good for, it was making that man equitable. Because if a man works a year for something, he's going to treat it right because he don't want to lose what he worked for. So the Most High knew what he was doing when he implemented this. So these, these marriages were sort of prearranged in a sense. Of course, of course the, the daughter had to sign off on it. But it was an agreement between the father and the, the man. An agreement between families. Not just, oh yeah, I, I meet a girl at the club, I go grab her up, and then uh, she's my wife. And now every week you come into your mother's house, you're like, yeah, it's my wife. Yeah, it's my wife. I got three wives. My fourth wife, right? Your mom is like, uh-uh. That's fornication. So we had to put it out there because the older folks would think, oh, we're just saying you can just have intercourse and you're married. When really, we there's proper protocols for it to be valid. And if, you know, because a lot of people get marriage and fornication mixed up a little bit. You know, so we wanted to put it out there, you know, the protocols on it. And we, we actually have a lesson uh, that we want to put out in the near future to go into detail about, you know, how it's done for the brothers and sisters who may be interested. 
you don't go through the proper process of that, but you know what I'm saying, you maybe do step three before step two and one, but you do get confirmation from the mother or the father, and you do get that bond, do you think that is justified? Oh, yes, it has to be, because when you lay down with her, that's the responsibility that you have. you're going to be there. Yeah. So, but we have to make it right. Yeah, you know, you're going to be there regardless. Right, yeah. absolutely. So even if, you know, you went backwards a little bit, because it happens, you know, we're in captivity right now. We're not at, you know, in Israel. So these things happen, but we can do the proper thing, you know, to to make sure that it's kosher with the family, you know, that the family, even if you've already come together, you could still, you know, make sure that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because why? It's it, it's an agreement of the families, the same way you want to be done to you, brothers and sisters. So men, especially, we got to, you know, teach our boys this because... This is somewhat old school, going to the father, you know, going to the man. But hey, it's righteous, brothers and sisters. It's equitable. It's equitable. And we're going to teach our children this. You know, anything that's done in the past is done in the past. But from here on out, we will be responsible for that knowledge. You have grace when you don't have the knowledge. Once you have the knowledge, you're responsible for that knowledge that you have. We're going to go to Romans 8 and 6, brothers and sisters. Let's see what Paul was saying in regards to this. Romans 8 verse 6 For to be carnally minded is death But to be spiritually minded is life and peace Right, read that one more time brother please Verse 6 For to be carnally minded is death But to be spiritually minded is life and peace Right, this is why it's so critical to be in the word of God daily Brothers and sisters Can you read that again brother? Verse 6 For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Right. We should try to be in the word of God daily, brothers and sisters, to find ourselves in subjection with his divine word. We might, you know, we need to have our minds renewed and transformed. And the way we do that is to be in his word daily. I don't care if you reading five scriptures. Listen, reading five scriptures is better than reading no scriptures, brothers and sisters. Read one scripture. Open the book up. <laughs> don't be a Christian. You have to pull teeth to get a Christian to open a book up. I don't try to sit down with Christians many times. They're like, oh, no, I don't need to open it up. I know it. (laughs) It's hard to get them to open up the Bible, brothers and sisters. You don't be that way. Open up that book, brothers and sisters, even if you just read, you know, whatever you just read. You know, I would suggest that if you're serious about your scholarship, just read one chapter a day. That's a promise that I can make with the Most High. I started off, you know, I'm going to read one chapter a day. Before you know it, you're reading 25 chapters a day. But you can make that, you know, uh, you know, make that bond with the Most High. I'm going to do this for you, even though you're really doing it for yourself, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that's how I was. I'll do this for you, Lord. I'll read one chapter a day. <laughs> really, we're doing it for ourselves. So, you know, that's something we, we can work on, brothers and sisters. That's something that, you know, would help our spiritual growth. We're going to go to Titus 2 and 11. We have maybe four scriptures and we'll close out. Titus chapter 2. We're going to read verse 11. Titus 2 and 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Right. The Bible, brothers and sisters, offers wisdom and instruction prompting us to trust God and to shun worldly desires. This is what the Bible is for. The Bible reveals the destructive power of unchecked lust and points to the way of freedom, which is through Christ. Christ is the door. Can you read that one more time, brother? Titus 2 and 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. Righteously and godly in this present world. Right. We must deny the worldly lust, brothers and sisters. We have the lust of the flesh. We have the lust of the eyes. We have the pride of life. And all men and women go through these three things. Sometimes Satan used all three of them to try to get you, depending on how strong you are. He may only need to throw one of them at you, depending on how strong you are. But as you continue to build and be amongst those who love the Most High and would help uh, you know, guide you to following the Most High, and you guide them, meaning you have a relationship with them where you're both following the Most High, 
That helps you spiritually, brothers and sisters. Reading your scripture helps you spiritually, brothers and sisters. So we can overcome this thing. There's a lot of brothers I know who would be powerful men of God if they could just control that lust part. It's that part. Because why? You're not going to be able to be a man that have three and four baby moms all out here and think you're going to be teaching the word. You, you gave that chance up when you did that. Because there's, I don't know a man that's going to, you know, look at you and you have five baby mothers and like, yeah, you know what? He got it together. Let me uh, follow him. <laughs> so, brothers and sisters, think about that before we are just, you know, we want to be a vessel that the Most High can use. And if we make decisions that, you know, are a prison to us, that can actually, you know. Put a roadblock in between you and doing the work, brothers and sisters. Are we saying that a man can't have those those many child mothers and, and be a righteous man? No, we're not saying that. But what we're saying is you you can't teach though. That's what we're saying. You you can't teach because that's what the Bible said. You must be the husband of one wife. You can't have all of this going on. That's not a good representation of Christ. You can follow the commandments and do that, you know, but you can't be put in that position because you've ruined it. You've ruined it. So, brothers and sisters, let's be careful. Let's stick to the script of the Bible. Let's stick to the doctrine of the Bible. And let's let's use these principles to overcome sin. We're going to go to Psalms 119 and 105 and then Hebrews 4 and 12. Psalms chapter 119, verse 105. Psalms 119 and 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, so brothers and sisters, when you feel that thing rising in you, this is where you go. You go to the Bible. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word, the Bible is a love letter to his children, brothers and sisters. This is what you use the Bible for. This is the long-term cure for that lust epidemic that we seem to be going through. Can you read that one more time, brother? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right. This is what we use. This is your sword, brothers and sisters. When you feel like you may be overcome or you feel the temptation or the peer pressure, you use this. You use this, brothers and sisters. We're going to Hebrews 4 and 12 and then we'll end it at Daniel 12 and 10. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful. See, the word, the Bible is quick, is powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Because why? You can cut spirits with the scripture. You can cut demons with the scripture. Dividing asunder of, uh, piercing and even dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Right. See, the Bible deals with the intents of the heart, brothers and sisters. Because why? A lot of times, people will have the wrong intent, but will do the right thing, but for the wrong reason. And that's a sin. That's a sin, brothers and sisters. Trying to do the wrong thing for the, you know, do the right thing, quote unquote, for the wrong reason. Like you catch a brother in a sin, and then you go promote that sin to everybody else. Mm -hmm. See, what was the intent of doing that? Of course he was breaking the law, but what was your purpose of smearing the brother? So the Bible deals with that. We must use the scripture, brothers and sisters, to cut those spirits that creep in. One o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, you laying up, you on your, your phone or something, you know, on the internet. Something pop up. See, you got to go right to, number one, say no in five, within five seconds, and then go to your scriptures when you feel that thing rising in you. If that happens, you go to your scriptures and understand that the Bible is what? Read it again, brother, please. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Right. God's word is living and powerful, brothers and sisters, and is a lamp to our feet on our path. We're going to utilize it. This is our record. This is our book. And we're going to use it the way it should be used. Because the Christians haven't been using it correctly at all. They've tricked us, bamboozled us. Now we want our book back. 
Give us our book back. You don't know what to do with it. Let 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 the let the Israelites show you how to how to use the Bible. We're going to end it here at Daniel twelve and ten. Old Testament brothers and sisters. Daniel 12 and 10. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. So, brothers and sisters, we went through biblical principles to help, you know, control that particular spirit of lust. Now, he who have an ear to hear will answer the call. A lot of people are going to hear this and say, I don't think there's anything wrong with lusting. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, Doing certain things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Can you read it one more time, brother? Verse 10. For many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. See, the wise shall understand. So if you understand, you're one of the chosen brothers and sisters. Overcoming lust is a personal choice to make. It's not something that can be imposed upon you. Or that you can simply switch off. Rather, you will need to make an assertive effort to subjugate that spirit, brothers and sisters. So we can't make the decision for you to fight the spirit of lust. Now, these were the biblical principles to help subdue the spirit, brothers and sisters. We learned that a lustful thought is like a torpedo cruising relentlessly, silently, under the water, straight towards the hull of your ship. And unless we take instant evasive action... We're in trouble because why? Eventually, that thought will strike, brothers and sisters. We pin, we we tend to pay little attention to the thoughts that come into our minds, right? Some of some come and go so quickly we couldn't voice them or you know even act on it if we wanted to. But what? Some linger, some entice and tantalize, and for that reason, we must learn to implement these biblical principles and be on guard for sin at all times, brothers and sisters. We want to say. Uh, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.